Today, we are going to talk about Russian folklore as seen in The Bear and the Nightingale by Catherine Arden. And this is actually Catherine's debut novel. And it is an entire trilogy. Uh, it is the Winter Night Trilogy. I've heard so, such good things about this, too, and it's on my TBR. Yes. I would say shoot it to the top, but you just spent an hour telling me about all the other books that have put a pause on your TBR. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so again, this is all Russian folklore. It is a story that incorporates all the different gods and spirits and monsters. Not all of them. This is like... This is like we're just scraping the surface, right? We're just dragging a long, scraggly nail, like a witch's nail, just right across the surface. We're barely getting into any of it. Okay. So this really this really caught my attention, because uh, I love the TV show Supernatural. And that is all folklore. It's 15 seasons of folklore from around the world. But they don't do any Russian folklore. They don't have any of these deities in that show. I just want to take a second so, and point out how I did not know that Supernatural was all about folklore because you probably, if you had told me that back when you started yapping to me about your love for Supernatural, I may have watched it. But well, all I've heard about is okay. Jensen Ackles. Yeah, there's nothing else that's important. <laughs> okay. So it actually is all true folklore. So they cover the jinn, which is uh, the Arabic spirit. They cover the woman in white. Uh, they cover some Greek Greek gods. Uh, the Japanese spirit that you can only see when you're drunk. They cover the Bible, the Christian Bible, Catholic Bible. So Leviathans, Purgatory, God, the Devil. Hmm. Um, werewolves, shapeshifters. Yeah, they do a lot of really accurate lore. Their their lore is super accurate, depending is on it on Hulu. I want to see Netflix. Mm. Netflix yeah. just got me because I was using my mom's account, and they're like, "Nope," and I was like, "Fuck you, then." <laughs> so that sucks for me. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure it'll jump services at some point. Um. And I would really say, if you're into the lore aspect of it, to only watch, like, the first, like, three to four seasons. The first three to four are super dark, super scary, and after that it gets into way too much storyline. Anyways, we've gone off the rails. Russian folklore. Um, so I accidentally found out, fell down a rabbit hole. Like, all of Russian folklore is a rabbit hole. But... I did like a little side quest trying to figure out the difference between folklore and mythology. Ooh. Um, spoiler alert, I did not figure out the difference. <laughs> uh, <laughs> from what I can understand, and maybe somebody much smarter than me can break this down into much simpler terms than anybody else. But basically they're both forms of storytelling while mythology is more about creation, folklore talks about supernatural entities and deities that exist without the need for religious or cosmic connection. So mythology is more like creation myths, 
uh, all about the gods and why natural events happen. Um, folklore is more about like why you have certain cultural norms, right? So some of the folklore, like in the Appalachian Mountains, would be why you shut your blinds at night. It explains like a thing that everybody does, and the folklore behind that is. Actually, I don't know what it is. It's just spooky shit. Spooky shit. <laughs> I was just going to say, the reason you shut your blinds at night is so people don't look in on you. Like, shut your fucking blinds, you weirdos. <laughs> yeah, but in order... But the folklore encourages you to do that by saying, like, not deer will look into your windows. Yeah, Slender Man's going to be creeping on your <laughs> naked butt. Shut your blinds. So... Yeah, so folklore folklore uh, encourages certain behaviors within a society, and that's important to note, and that will come up later. Okay. Um, before we get into The Bear and the Nightingale, please remember to like and subscribe, and be sure to turn on post notifications so you can see every new video that comes up. All right, now into the meat of it. So, like I said, The Bear and the Nightingale covers a lot of well, not a lot. It covers a few different spirits and demons. The first one that you're introduced to, and I'm super sorry. If you guys watched the previous video, you know that Bobby and I don't say names the same at all. We have very different understanding of how vowels work. It's <laughs> <laughs> <is> so accurate. <laughs> so, so... I don't know if she's looking at the show notes right now or not, um, but I am just going to do my absolute best to sound these out. They're translated from Russian uh, into English, and I'm guessing it's just like a phonetical spelling of it would be my guess. Okay, so the Baron the Nightingale, you're introduced to Morosko. He is the Frost Demon. And he is the living embodiment of winter's wrath and beauty. Mm. So as winter moves in, it's super beautiful as it blankets the world in snow and ice crystals, but it's also deadly. Um, so I'm just going to read the story uh, that uh, Vasya's, Vasya's mom tells about Morosko. Also, if we say this every episode, I am so sorry for my pronunciations. I'm so sorry. <laughs> They're gonna get worse. <laughs> Alright, so the story of Morosco goes, A woman has a daughter whom she loves and a stepdaughter whom she hates. One day, the woman orders her husband to take her stepdaughter out into the winter wilderness and leave her there to die. He obeys leaving her at the foot of a tree in the forest. Father Frost, Morosco, finds her there and tests her with a freezing wind. And because the girl is polite and kind to him, he gives her a chest full of beautiful jewels and fine garments. Her warm kindness thaws his frozen heart. Sometime later, the stepmother finds the girl's father, sends the girl's father to retrieve her body for burial and is enraged when he instead brings the girl back alive and happy and dressed in finery. Consumed by greed and envy, the woman orders her husband to take her own daughter 
to the same place. But when found by Father Frost, the woman's daughter is rude and unkind to him, and he is inclined to punish her rather than reward her. The father find, finds her frozen to death at the foot of a tree and carries her, bother, carries her body back to her Greek grief-stricken mother. Wow. That's, that's pretty much like the intro introduction. That's a lot to unpack. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Tell me that ain't just like the most Russian punishment you can think of, of like freezing to death. That's, yep. That. <laughs> Very Russian. That's all. Very on brand. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> it is also a, uh, it's a really good tale. It's a really fascinating tale about like the dichotomy of cruelness and kindness, right? He's like the Frost King. Mm -hmm. And yet uh, he shows us that kindness begets kindness yeah. and cruelness begets death. Yeah, we should send, uh, <laughs> send him over to Putin there <laughs> we should we should send father frost to putin and take care of all of our problems for us well as we get into this oh fuck i'm listening see why that won't work <laughs> okay um so the rest of the story goes on it's a small village in russia and you have Yoiter, I think is his name. P-Y-O-T-R. You ever read letters in that order? Me neither. Uh, Pyoiter. <laughs> and he has four children, and then his wife falls pregnant with a fifth one. Right after she reads that story, or retells that story, she's like, I'm pregnant. And everybody's like, you're not going to survive. You're not going to survive another pregnancy. And she says... I have to go through with it because I can tell that this specific child has special gifts and the world needs her. So she goes through with it, has the child, passes away in childbirth. Everybody's grief stricken. Um, and that fifth child is Vasya. I don't know if I'm saying that correctly. V-A-S-Y-A. Vasya. Uh, and so... As this child grows up, she challenges a lot of, like, the societal norms, right, in traditional Russia of how women should act. And she just does it by pretty much being herself. Hmm. Um, and her whole family makes fun of her because they call her the little frog because her eyes are too big and too far apart. And they spend the whole book talking about how ugly she is hmm. and how... <laughs> If she finds a man who likes her, she should just, like, marry him immediately because she's so ugly. I don't know if they go that far. But they do talk about a lot about how ugly she is. Um, but she's all of the other things where she's good at horseback riding. She's very athletic. Like, all of the other things besides pretty. <laughs> uh, and she has the gift to be able to see all of these spirits that live, um, that we're going to talk about. All of these different spirits and, I guess, deities. So, I'm trying to decide where to stop, because I don't really know what spoilers are, so... 
I guess I should have given a little precursor. I don't know. You should know by now. I don't know what spoilers are, and there's probably going to be so many spoilers. Um, so the majority of the story takes place in this little village, and it's actually during the time that Christianity is trying to stomp out paganism and unknowingly wakens a demon that is prepared to, or that wants to destroy the world. Oh, wow. So... That's why yeah. you don't go prancing around on people's <laughs> folklore Christianity. <laughs> it gets better. <laughs> so, I'm kind of skipping over a lot of the details because there's a lot of side stories. Mm -hmm. But one of the like side stories is that they go back to St. Petersburg because Pyotr, Vasya's father, he is a boyer which is a lord of the land. Um, I got too far into the Russian words, but he's like a lord, basically. Gotcha. So he needs like a new wife, and it has to be a wife that is worthy of his status. So he goes to St. Petersburg, and he asks, I want to say Peter the Great. I could have looked all that up, but I'm pretty sure it's Peter the Great. He's like, hey man, I need a wife, got five kids, no mother. I need a wife. And Peter the Great's like, yo, we got this bitch. She's crazy. She's off of her rocker nuts. They don't tell Pyoider this. But in their little secret huddle, they're like, give him this girl, Anna, because she's off her rocker. She won't go into the bathhouse. She always stinks. She wants to be a nun, but she's kind of a, like a really high standing, and we can't have this woman becoming a nun. She's got to go be a wife. This family is strengthened through marriage at the time, right? But she's crazy, and they just know she's gonna, like, embarrass the family if she stays in St. Petersburg. So they're like, yeah, man, give her to this guy, Pyotr, who's way off out in, like, the country. Nobody will ever know that she's crazy. Uh, she's smelly, but who's gonna smell her over a small-town farm, right? This guy lives out in the country. I bet they all stink. <laughs> So, come to find out, <laughs> she's crazy because she has the same gift as Vasya. She can see all of these creatures. Oh, wow. So, she can see the Bannock, and I I'm sure we'll put a picture up, up here of the Bannock. Um, but he is a bathhouse spirit, and he protects the bathhouse. In Russia, these bathhouses were very, uh, or they were a common place of birth and divination rituals. So, they were like a really sacred place that needed... A little spirit to guard them. Hmm. He is described now. If you walked into a bathroom to take a shower, let me know if this description of what you're about to see would scare the living bejesus out of you. He is described as a small, naked old man with a long beard and his body covered in birch leaves. That's all the description I wrote down. I thought there was going to be more. <laughs> Any small naked old man with a beard can get the fuck away from me. <laughs> so, yeah. That's why Anna wouldn't go into the best house, is because she could see this creepy old man in the corner. Just, like, seems watching over them. Legit. Seems legit. <laughs> and as I go through and describe these, and we'll put up a couple of pictures, you have to think that Vasya's the crazy one, because she sees these little things, and she's like... Aw, aren't they the cutest? Aren't they the best? And we'll put up pictures as we go, but... Shoo. 
They're insane. Um, so the Bannock is just, basically, it's a bathhouse spirit that guards the bathhouse. Um, and a lot of times these bathhouses would burn down and people would be like, oh, somebody must have pissed off the Bannock. That's why it burned down. So, um, throughout Russian folklore, we see that pretty much every space has its own spirit that guards and protects that space. So as Pyotr leaves St. Petersburg with his new wife, Anna, they bring with him priest Constantine, who comes back to the village. And his whole goal of being in this village is to completely eliminate paganism. And he does this by working with, trying to get the villagers to stop leaving out offerings to the little, the spirits. Mm. And as he goes, he weakens a lot of these, a lot of these spirits. And he thinks he's hearing the voice of God. But if you want to find out what he was actually hearing, you'll have to read the book. <laughs> you thought it was going to be a spoiler. <laughs> I'm getting better at this game. <laughs> Alrighty, so one of the other spirits is the Domovoy. It is the household spirit, and he lives within the boundaries of the house. He, um, in the novel, the Domovoy is depicted as the guardian of the home, and they are placated with food, food offerings in return for protection. So they work to keep out evil spirits, evil of every kind. Uh, and so Vasya can see the Domovoy, and she goes throughout the novel, or throughout the book, she's giving him offerings. Even in the winter, when she's like on the verge of starving to death, she makes sure to leave part of her meal for this little guy. So in traditional folklore, the Domovoy is the guardian of the family and its wealth, and he is partial to conscientious and hardworking people. Keep that in mind. We'll circle back to that. Any displeasure the Domovoy feels with the actions of its family is displayed through troubles within the farm or strange knocks and grating noises in the house. But that could also just be the Domovoy having fun. It's hard to tell. But he's easily placated with more offerings. Um, so like I said, the idea of hardworking people, the Domovoy is attracted to conscientious and hardworking people, is actually... Uh, an idea that is traced back to the government, the USSR, I believe, or the government prior to that one, the Russian oligarchy at some point decided that using folklore to mold its citizens oh, into interesting. better citizens. So it's propaganda. I'm trying to stay, I was trying to stay away from that word. I don't know if that word is or is not favorable on the internet. So I was, <laughs> oops. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it basically was them and you'll see this with a lot of these like i said we're just barely scratching the surface this could go on for 15 plus videos um you could do like a thesis people oh. have <laughs> people have not on the not on the literature itself but just on how it's changed throughout the centuries interesting um and a lot of that is traced back to the government itself like, like we said at the beginning, folklore isn't really 
religious or creation, but it is used to create a culture and it is used to explain why we do certain things, right? We work super hard at our, we work super hard to be good citizens because that pleases the Domovoi and the Domovoi keeps out bad spirits, right? Is all of that making sense? I follow. Have I gone off the rails yet? No, no I'm following. <laughs> I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued to hear more. Um, so another one of the spirits is a water spirit, um, the Rusalka. Uh, they're found in lakes. So in the book, they're just, they come in the form of a woman, and they in the book, they kind of like lure men towards the edge and then pull them in and drown them. <laughs> and sorry. <laughs> in the Bear and the Nightingale, the Rusalka is the first creature to warn Vasya about Priest Constantine and his how his actions are dangerous to the villagers' way of life. However, right, so it, it's it's a uh, kind of an angry spirit. They're in the book. They're not really known for helping. This particular one is just kind of like placated with offerings and then it doesn't kill people. But it's not like a spirit that is like saving people, right? If you fall into the lake, it's not bringing you back to the surface. So the interesting part about this one, the original Rusalka was a name used by the pagan Slavic people who actually linked them with fertility and did not consider the Rusalka, the Rusalki evil before the 19th century. So again, there's a lot of changes to this folklore, um, and I don't know if this one is related to government interference or not. Um, but prior to the 19th century, the Rusalki came out of the water in the spring, and they transferred life-giving moisture to the fields and thus helped nurture the crops. So they were more than man-eaters. Gotcha. <laughs> also, this feels like a good time to add this in. Um, this is also something I feel like you could do a deep dive in. I actually don't know the difference between Russians and Slavics. I don't know where the borders start and stop on all of that. Um... So, sorry about that. So, the next demon, demon god that's brought up in The Bear and the Nightingale is the Leshy. Uh, in Slavic, myth Slavic mythology, the Leshy is a demon god and a tree spirit who protects and defends the animals of the forests and the marshes. So, they're either mostly benevolent or neutral to the humans that are going into the forest. Um, however, they do have um, a bit of a trickster side. They do like playing tricks on people, leading them in circles, making them think they saw an animal when they didn't. This uh, deity is fucking cool looking. <laughs> yeah, this is the tree one. Yeah, he looks like a tree stag forest man. Yeah. Like, literally, when I say. But less man, more tree forest stag. <laughs> yeah, almost like uh, those walking trees out of the Lord of the Rings. Yeah. But with horns, I guess. Horns, yes. antlers. 
Antlers if they fall off, horns if they stay connected. It like reminds me of the D the guy the character from Serpent and Dove book two or three where um the spirit of the forest, like quite literally, maybe they're the same. I'm gonna have to look that up after now. But um <laughs> Yeah, very interesting. Yeah, to see where it came from. See what inspired that character. Yeah. Maybe this. It's pretty interesting. Maybe this Leshy. I could be pronouncing that wrong. I'm super sorry if I mispronounced every single one of these. Um, and the Bear and the Nightingale, he is, again, as they move away from paganism, they stop, like, leaving offerings before they go into the forest to hunt. And so he gets really frustrated. Um, and he, <laughs> he vents to this little girl, Vasya about how people aren't really, like, asking his permission to hunt in his forest. <laughs> um, yeah, when you think back on the book, they spend a lot of time venting to a small child who's, like, 12 years old. Oh my <laughs> <laughs> um, and the last one that's really noteworthy, just in the first book, and I am gonna absolutely butcher this, Devorovoy, Devorovoy. He's the yard spirit. <laughs> I'm looking to you like you can help me when we both have the worst pronunciation. And <laughs> I know that's what I was like trying to look it up really quick. <laughs> so I think uh, you were right. The Devorovoy is how you say it because. In this alternative spelling, it's D W O R O W Y. So. Okay. I was just trying to hit all the letters. I think <laughs> you did an excellent job. Um, Devorum boy. Uh, but he is the yard spirit. And so in The Bear and the Nightingale, he primarily lives in the barn with the horses. Um, and he warns Vasya of the fleeting time that all of the spirits have left because of they're pretty much starving to death because there's no offerings. Oh, wow. Um, and I believe that he's also the one that helps her become such a good um, equestrian horse rider mm. because she can speak to him, he can speak to the horses. I can't remember if she can speak directly to the horses, but so, like, they... The horses basically teach her how to ride and everybody's like how did she's on the wildest horse in the barn and it just like takes off across the yard and is like you can do it stay on <laughs> <laughs> so it, yeah she embarrasses her entire family by being a really good horse rider equestrian <laughs> i know there's a word for it i don't know what it is <laughs> there is a word i grew up with horses <laughs> don't know the word <laughs> horse rider she's a very good rider horse <laughs> yeah I guess you can just say rider <laughs> it's horses not dragons in this book so we're just clarifying it's riding horses <laughs> yeah but overall again like I said this is just like the tip of the iceberg of all of the creatures they have this is like a very small tiny introduction Poorly researched, like 
Don't come at me for anything that's wrong. <laughs> Actually, no, yeah. Give me some corrections. Let me Honestly, know how my pronunciation was. I knew nothing about Russian folklore, and I just learned so much. So... It's not a common thing in the U.S., right? Not like Greek mythology or Celtic or No, because we, anything. like, read the Iliad in school and, like, mm -hmm. all of that. We read that, but there's not this. Yeah. yeah. Isn't it so fun? It is. And so next week, you, you know, you were, like, giving yourself a hard time about pronouncing some of these names, but, like, oh... <laughs> Next week, I'm going to cover Finnish mythology, and you want to talk about some letters. The end of what mythology? Huh? You're going to cover the end of what mythology? You got jokes, girl. You got jokes. Finnish mythology. Um, but you want to talk about letters that are next to each other that you've never seen before? Just wait. <laughs> Just wait. See, I feel very lucky that Russia has a completely different uh, alphabet, so they had to be translated <laughs> into our alphabet. I am just, thank God for small miracles on that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for the, the education. Thank you for letting me ramble about it. I thoroughly enjoyed that first book, and I cannot wait to finish the trilogy. That's what I was going to say, is that I really want to read it now. Yeah. It's so cute. Ugh. <laughs> damn. <laughs> damn, damn, damn. <laughs> and I lure you in by saying it's a completed trilogy. Yeah. <laughs> yes. All of the books are out there and ready to be devoured. I should just do it. Just read them real fast. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Thank you for teaching me. It's going to be on my TBR for a while. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for letting me ramble. I had so much fun this episode. All right, so next week, more news, and next Friday, Finnish mythology, so stay tuned.